Good morning, listeners, uh, and welcome to this week's edition of News from the Drug Warfront. My name is Jeff. My co-presenter, as usual, is Marion. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jeffrey, and good morning, listeners. I've got a bunch of shout-outs to do, but I'll leave it till a little bit later to do it. But remember all you people that I said I would shout-out to, I'm going to do it, you. and you need to know when to do it, when to say... Okay, she's done the shout-out because I'll be uh, – you'll be tested on it later. <laughs> Are you listening? Yeah. Look, we've got a good range of stories um, today and one that I know you'll be particularly pleased about, Marion, is yep. the International Criminal Court. Remember last week they were back yes, to make the decision? Yes, We thought that Duterte was going to get out of it, didn't we? Well, the strategy was, you know, his uh, daughter was going to be um, one of the uh, – well, she's the vice president in the yep. new regime with uh, Marcos, the son, as president – and, um, you know, look, it, we pulled out of the International Criminal Court Convention halfway through Duterte's presidency. So just, you know, just nothing to see here. Yeah, um, of course. Well, they've made a decision, which we'll talk about uh, in international stories. Which is great. To continue to investigate, mm. especially because there's extrajudicial murders captured on um Closed circuit TV. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm. Okay, that's great. So new piece of lighting itself, or they captured them themselves. Well, like, did, was it city cameras, uh, or was it done by the police cameras? I'm not sure of the totality of ones they've got on camera. I just remember the first one that caused trouble was a kid that um, was a really good student and worked after school helping his dad's grocery business. So one they could afford to publicise. The, I mean the. Opponents. The well, he got chased by police. Yeah, and shot to death, and they tossed a, a, a gun next to him. Of course, and, and, and a packet of ice. I would imagine more than likely to prove. Didn't know that there was uh, a camera in that particular part of the alley. The uh, police didn't. No, so that was just proof they couldn't. Yeah, they, they couldn't, couldn't rebut. Couldn't rebut. Couldn't so deny it. Yeah, I mean the whole Good thing. to hear. Anyone who's listened to the show knows the horrendous um, behaviour. Well, we have been decidedly single-minded about it, Jeffrey. We've been very selective, but then so have the proponents of the war on drugs, yeah? So being selective is not something only we are guilty of. Being selective in reporting, I mean. But this stuff with Duterte has been going on for such a long time and we've been covering it for just as long. Yeah, yeah. And we, it's... Um, we've talked about it for years. Absolutely. And, you know, the... The horrifying thought was that Duterte was going to get away with it and he thought he was going to get oh, away with it. Did. A, by withdrawing from the International Criminal Court's jurisdiction yeah. and B, by say, by not being president anymore. And but, having his daughter as vice president. To, that's you know. right. To, and having his second best friend as being the president or rather Marcos's son. It was pretty Why clever. Why do still call him Marcos Jr.? It's got me... Bamboozled. Bang, I haven't got a clue. Bing bong, bang, bang. Bong, bong. Uh, bong, bong. Yeah. Bong, bong, Marcus. Yeah, I thought it sounded specific, you know, suspiciously like a um, tool for smoking cannabinoids, but perhaps not. But bong, bong, I'm pretty sure is what it was called. I can't get my head around Filipino politics, but their attitude towards just shooting people for small amounts. Speaking of, of politics, Jeffrey, I know this is a dreadful thing to insert, but Israel have passed that legislation I saw to that. reduce... Now, they've had 50% of the population in opposition of this legislation. For months. And they... Yes, for months, and they have been protesting about it in their 
thousands on the street. Yep. The vote on it was totally, it was um, the opposition parties did not vote. Oh. So it was, the vote was 61 to 0 oh, in the Israeli that. Parliament I thought it must for have been the legislation. 61, so 60 or something. Or well, you would have thought that had they, if they counted up the number of seats, yes, probably that's what it was. But because the opposition parties colluded and said, no, which sounds, I know that sounds very damning, but that's what happens. Well, they, they get together, talk about through. it and say, no, it's going yeah. to go through because of the numbers. But we will just... Um, What's the word, Jeff? They just didn't vote, yeah. yeah? So if they don't vote on it and you just leave it, it's out, looks, the numbers are damning, yeah? Well, I saw a lot of interviews on Al Jazeera with younger Israelis saying, I don't want to live in a country that's Chained no longer a democracy. Chained to trees. And that's what the separation of state and government is really, state powers and government powers are really of, important. Yeah. Having the court independent of the parliament is really important and they should not be, uh, the the court, the Supreme Court, should not be subject to the governmental policy. To just say, policy. Well, you can't, yeah. can't scrutinise anything we do. And it, it's just obscene. So I'm absolutely sympathetic to the opposition of this law in the same way that I am sympathetic to the fact that you do not cease to be prosecuted or investigated for crimes against Australia simply because you leave the country. Yeah, true. I think Netanyahu wants to make sure he can't be prosecuted for the cases he's Well, been... it's all about having convictions for being crooked, yeah. being, you know, like, ha yeah. and having a criminal conviction. And he's got his way. Because uh, Israel Parliament were trying to get somebody um, counted as a legitimate minister, yeah? So, but it's just, it's horrendous that... And then, yeah. Well, they okay. can't be the only democracy in the Middle East. Spain have now had a new government in. Well, not a new government. They've had elections. They have... Uh, Might the, be another election because nobody won that. Well, the, that's right. They weren't, They don't have enough seats to govern in their own right. So that might be interesting too. I couldn't believe that the Prime Minister, who was a you know, Socialist Party, actually called snap election when the the rural and local elections have gone so badly for his party. Talk about rolling the dice. I mean, oh, it's, it's anyway, ludicrous. That's enough for international um, politics. Morrison is well, locally. Morrison's back in the country, oh, but great. still saying nothing to see here about the robotic crisis. Keep your mouth shut and keep him getting just your, say no. your money. Yep. Just say no to responsibility, Jeffrey. I'm One just of I'm worst sick of abuses of power ever yep. in Australian history. Anyway, um, today's edition of News from the Drug War Front is brought to you by Karma, which is the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and The Connection, which is uh, Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for First Nations people. Uh, we try to promote the broad array and ever-expanding range of services provided by Karma, which is very important for anyone who needs advocacy, information, assistance. You know, there's a lot of things. Um, Which I'll tell you about yeah. further in there. Yes. Um, and we also report on stories relevant to uh, drug users from Australia and also around the world. And we'll get to the Philippines in the international uh, news. And we also like to think that we're encouraging people to think about uh, prohibition and discuss the issues related to that as they apply to themselves and to their relatives, their friends, or their colleagues. There were a couple of classic things on Twitter this morning um, that had 
pictures of President Nixon when he was saying, you know, the number one public enemy in America yeah. is drug use. It was, <laughs> how's it working out for you? Yeah. Was, was the comment. <laughs> yes, that's been raised again over the, over the recent days. Um, it's really interesting to see how many times that, that quote comes up. Yeah, that well. America's number one enemy is our drugs. Ugh. Yeah, yeah well, but they don't have the guns to go with it. Jim Bott, uh, Jim, Joe Biden's not a, a great um, progressive not reformer very good in that on area, that, is, is he? No. Mr. Law and Order. Leaving it up to the states largely, which means that it's really erratic, the well, uh, focus on particularly cannabinoids at this stage well, because they're the ones that are, and fentanyl. The which fact is, that cannabis is still Schedule 1 federally no medical benefit whatsoever, is making all these states that have legalised that the businesses can't get bank accounts. Yes. They've got all sorts of restrictions and, you know, shady or unclear aspects of their... And uh, then there are other places where it's a taxable... Um, it's a taxable commodity, and if you set up a, a shop... Yeah. ..you can sell it legally and... The state but gets But again, taxed. you still can't... Set up a bank account. I mean, and how you declare tax when you don't have a bank account to keep your records in, it would be really interesting how you can follow up on your tax privilege, taxation, tax responsibilities. Hard. Very difficult. We've got a very brief article because most of it's behind a expensive paywall because it's directed towards businesses that are setting up in the cannabis space. Yeah. And the yeah, there's some big money to be made. Is um, there not? But mm. it shows the upward trend of um, sales and uh, money to be made. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Prospects in are looking pretty good. Quite a lot happening in Australia, but not necessarily above board. A lot happening on the dark net where that's oh, always. Yeah, too. that's yeah. a whole other world, isn't it? So um, maybe you just want to whip through some of the things. Karma provides a wide range of services. Um, <clears throat> such as advocacy, peer treatment support, peer education, creative arts, men mentoring and referrals. Above all, Karma and The Connection are harm reduction services. The Connection is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients. Karma and The Connection are co-located in the Benjamin uh, Belconnen Churches Centre at Shop 17, Level 154 Benjamin Way. Drop-in centre is open between 10am and 4pm Monday to Friday. The office telephone number is 62533643. Karma uh, can assist with people in, with a wide range of issues, including advice and advocacy around opioid maintenance treatments, such as methadone, suboxo and injectable buprenorphine plants. On Thursdays, there is a clinic um, run at Karma, and you can get your uh, buprenorphine um, injections Scripts, yeah. made available. Oh, yeah. Well, as a doctor and a nurse, which yes. is great. Yeah. Your hepatitis C, you can get done by the scratch test. And that's and that every day of the week, time. Point, of, yeah. point of care testing. You can have veins checked. Yes. Which is something we don't have on our list oh, uh, yeah, to find out where you have viable veins. Forgot to mention that, the venoscope. It's Ex a nice piece of kit. Yeah. That's a terrific thing. Access for uh, treatment for hepatitis C. It's a real issue, um, vein um, discovery, for particularly for older clients. It's good that younger clients can find them first off without having to demolish themselves. But... For older injectors where their veins have collapsed yep. or become or they smoke so much that the blood is thick, 
they need to find out where there are viable veins that will not create abscesses because that's a big problem for it's, a lot of older users. It's a great piece. We of help it. people overcome, cope with, and overcome the impact of stigma and discrimination directed towards illicit drug users by mainstream media and by themselves and other people in the community. And we help people or refer people to detox rehab and other drug treatment services where they want them, not because we want to do it simply simply because we want them to do it, but because they want them to do it. And that's really important, that people are self-directed yep. and they ask for what they want and we seek to provide it for them. Karma is... Meet them where they're at. That's right. Responsible for providing services on a peer basis, which means there's no power imbalance between the customer and the client provider. Yep. The women's service starts this Friday, is that correct? Or? Yes, there is. And I had that five seconds ago just before I put something on I've, top of I've it. I've got a copy course. if you need. Oh, another copy. Thanks, Jeffrey. That's copy three. Um, the women's support group uh, starts this Friday. Now, this is a safe space and fun peer support group, lunch, arts and crafts, and we have guest speakers and certificates. A support group for women who have CYPS involvement already and are trying to learn how to manage the system. It addresses drug and alcohol issues, domestic violence and mental health issues, how to engage with services, reconnecting with your children and much more. The numbers of participants are limited, Please call, call Louise or Monica, uh, not Monica, Michelle, Michelle. on 62533643 to book your spot. Um, it will be set time and space for these groups and participants are limited, so yeah. please contact Louise I think Louise just wants to make sure that, that, that they have the they're suitable numbers. and it Yeah, make, and they yeah. have limited numbers too because so, the bigger the group, the more unwieldy it is. It's sometimes six to eight an is the preferred number. size yeah. for a group, yeah. uh, especially when you want discussions to happen. Indeed. We also have art groups now Um Every day of the week, if people want oh, to come in. Great. Um, the, the main one is still uh, Friday at one thirty, where everything's put out and people can do um, all sorts of art from the acrylic um, painting. And don't think you can't do it because you can. We can well, you and I are a testament to that, <laughs> Absolutely. We, we thought we couldn't do it and all we needed was Natasha to show us how and suddenly we became artists. And producing Produce quite some really stuff. amazing stuff when you think about it. So, yeah, there's a lot of things happening. Um, so Just give, give uh, Karma a call. Okay, news from the drug war front reports on news uh, stories that are relevant to illicit drug users. I think I've said that before, but from mm. Australia and around, and around the world. Many of the articles uh, featured come from other sources, including mainstream media, and some mainstream media are not... Um, known for their positive perspective. When, of course, talk about discrimination and stigma, they often the main sources of it, Geoffrey. Yeah. And that's really pervasive because it gets into people's heads. Well, it does, and it's and hard that's, to undo. That's where it, you can't undo that kind of propaganda because for 60 years these newspapers, these media have been getting away with that propaganda, and so it's taken as fact. Yeah by yeah. many people in the community because that's all they've heard. Takes a lot to overcome. Yeah. So the contents of this uh, broadcast and tomorrow it will be up as a podcast do not necessarily reflect the, the views and policies of Karma and the Connection. 
Karma does not condone uh, nor condemn drug use and does not promote illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with uh, drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development that Marion just mentioned and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. So um, you should be treated on an equal footing to any other citizen. All right, I thought I'd go to a, a quick song. I don't think we played this before, but this is, um, especially the live version of this is magnificent, but this is from Hendrix's second album, Access Bold as Love, and it's called... Little Wing. So this oh, is great. Jimmy. Heaven. Coming up eight minutes to 11, that, of course, was uh, the magnificent Jimi Hendrix had lost at 27 with mm. uh, Little Wing. Okay, you're listening to news from the drug war front uh, from Studio One Two Double X 98.3 FM, People Powered Radio. And, uh, Marion, you've got the uh, 10th month yes, of can tests. the can test results. Uh, really interesting, just released the... Uh, Tested, they can test tested 119 samples in its 10th month uh, with some really interesting results. There were 20 uh, samples of cocaine uh, 
brought in that wow. was expected in the 20 samples and was detected in all of them, but the purities range from 4 to 84%. <laughs> Bit of a so, Well, as I say every week, Jeffrey, when I was introduced to it, I was told it was subtle or discreet. <laughs> I thought it meant you won't feel it. <laughs> well, if it's 4%... Um, purity, you I would think you it. wouldn't feel it, yeah, especially if you had anything else in you at the time. They had five samples of heroin again, which is what I, they had last month. It was detected in all of them, but the purities ranged from 32% to 75%. Two, percent, percent, uh, two samples also contained six monoacetylmorphine, so it was an opioid type um, product. Ketamine was expected in 14 samples and detected in nine. The purities range from 8 to 86%. MDMA was expected in 37 samples and was detected in 33. Uh, methamphetamine was expected in nine samples and detected in all of them. And the purities range from 54% to 77%, which is a, a different range from those of the other drugs. So it's really interesting. Amphetamine uh, was expected in one sample and it didn't have any. Oh, dear. So lactose. What it, yeah, just <laughs> lactose. And I had heard about that on the street that somebody provided, um, bought, bought sugar instead of speed. No. So I just heard that on the street. There's an inter- at the end of it, there's an other findings. Um, and there's interesting, there was um, dimethylpentone found... Uh, detected in something that was expected to be, <coughs> excuse me, utilone. I don't know what utilone is, but I've certainly heard of my dimethylpentone. Yep. Um, well, can tests just... have discovered <coughs> products that haven't been heard this of. Is, this is absolutely the the two n um, two f n n e d n e n d c k and tyletamine that's found in the MDMA or the ketamine samples. It's really interesting because I don't know what it means and I'm sure they explained it to us in one of the previous things, but it's just the previous reports, but it's just interesting that they are coming up with such different drugs with I, new names that we're not not recognising. I think one of the slight shortcomings which I think can be fixed with a bit of a campaign is um, because the trials were pill testing. I think a lot of people that use powders still think it's not for, the, for them. Yes. And I noticed the heroin um, mentions only five samples. Yes, I think um, that's still low and I think that still is. But if you, have, if you have a look at the flyer, sorry, I didn't mean to drift away from the mic then. If you have a look at the flyer, it will tell you quite specifically how much they need there is a picture of the amount that is required for testing and it's the size of the head of a biro, yes? It's small, isn't it? Very tiny amount, not even the size of your little fingernail, uh, but the size of the head of a pen. Mm-hmm. So it has, it's got that comparison in the picture, um, a blot, blot with a bit of drug on it. I think information will... As people use it more, as people start to tell each other what it's about and how not how easy it is to get access to it and what information you get from it, people will be get more become more used to it. Well, as we reported in the findings last week, I thought one of the, the most important things was how high a percentage of people who used um, can test had never spoken to 
appear about harm reduction. Which or or even a even a health health professional about harm reduction. Staggering. Because they didn't know where if they would get that or just get judgment from yeah. them. No, so, it's 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 a massively important breakthrough, and I think as time passes, it will become even more so as the database yes. extends. I think I'll quickly tell you a little bit about the where and when can I have my drugs tested. tested. Thursday from 3pm to 6pm and Friday from 6pm to 9pm at the Ground Floor Community Health Centre, One More Street City. It doesn't cost anything. It takes as quickly, as little as 30 minutes, but may take longer depending on what's detected and what kinds of drugs can be tested. Pills, capsules, powders, crystals, liquids and blotters can all be tested. Can tests may not be able to test some things like plant material or dilute solutions, including steroids. The drugs are tested. Um, it's put through the testing equipment. Once the testing is complete, can test will provide you with the results, harm reduction information, and discuss any other questions you may have. So do not feel that, but you don't have to have stay there and participate in all of that. But it's there for you it's if up you to want you. it. Look, I think it. For the first um, model, it's pretty good and, you know, there's plenty to work on. Yes, yes. And, and they're prepared to work on it. That's the point. They will take um, take information back, feedback from clients and will work on it to provide what they can. There's the picture, Geoffrey, of you've got it there, yep. of the size of drugs that needed yeah. to be taken. It's very small, as little as milligrams, yeah? Minuscule. So don't have to worry about losing too much of your heroin to drug checking. I've been reading quite a few articles uh, very disappointed in New South Wales with a change of government. You know, we reported how Gladys was just... Um, Saying no to reports and yeah. putting them in the, in the bottom cupboard. Taking no notice of it, yeah. And people are getting sniffer dogs accosting still. them in public. And or, te- or, you know, made to strip and still getting well, checked, I imagine. Class yeah. action lawsuit against inappropriate uh, drug te- testing or, or strip searching protocols. Yeah. So let's hope for a positive result. But sadly, the um, Chris Menz, the new Labor Premier, doesn't seem to be offering any hope for... Reform, but is he not hope? Not I mean, is he just not offering any statements about it at all, or is he just not offering hope specifically for drug and alcohol harm reduction? I just think people haven't heard anything positive. Yeah, to, so you know. it, maybe it's yet to be announced, yeah. yet to be devised. It takes maybe, a while to settle. Maybe the change in government was as much a surprise to him as it was to anybody else, and they didn't hit the ground running with lots of their policies. Quite possibly. Not only that, but upcoming is the Labor. The party conference. So I think it's next month. So maybe that. they're going to look at having a national policy on drug and alcohol stuff, and that might require some discussion. I hope. Well, fingers crossed, because definitely needs to be some improvements. Just before the news, can I just say the uh, women's support group is not in this instance called the Jude Byrne support group. No, it's just Jude would not have anything to do with this kind of support group. Just the women's support group. This is the women's support group for women who already have CYPS involvement. All right, we'll be back after the news. All right, uh, welcome back to news news from the drug war front. It's uh, four four minutes after eleven, uh, and this is ninety eight point three FM Studio One People Powered Radio. Um, I mentioned about this uh, sort of part of a, 
an article that's behind a paywall, but it's got a bit of news that's worth reporting. Um, clearly, there's huge um, money to be made once uh, cannabis is legalised. But uh, the heading is pharmacy data reveals record quarter of sales as Canatrec and Med Relief capture 50% of the market. This is by Steve Jones, and this is, um, I think, a, a business um, newsletter. More than 350,000 medicinal cannabis products worth a combined Australian $41.6 million were dispensed in the second quarter of 2023, with Canatrec and MedRelief Australia dominating the local market, according to the latest retail pharmacy figures from Nostra, Nostra Data. <laughs> That's very clever. <laughs> the figures were up 18% and 10.6% respectively from the previous quarter and almost triple that from two years ago. Nostradata, an analytics firm for the healthcare industry, said the data was compiled from 5,100 of Australia's total of 5,800 pharmacists. And it's got a graph of quarterly market performance that's heading in one direction, and that is up. Um, but it can com concludes, yet the figures appear to offer only a snapshot of the true size of the total market. Yeah. And I think it's going to be massive. Um, once, once it's a green green light, because there's so many, you know, um, possible uses. Oh, look, the consumer group that's available for the, for cannabinoids is most massive. All they need is a green light, a legal light, yeah. yes, and they'd be happy to get it. Some people won't participate because of the legal status. Fair enough, because you really don't want to be unsure of whether you're going to be arrested or not when you get something that appears to be suitable or you just want to try it because it may be suitable for whatever ails you and it has so many uses um, for physical and psychological health that it just seems such a sh shame that they're so slow to pick up um, on prescribing and dispensing cannabinoids and it's still operating through the dark web to a certain extent. And taking away legal impediments, it's just crazy. Oh, it, um, it is. It's just, look, the, we need to get it on the market as quickly as possible and available legally as quickly as possible in as many places as possible so it's accessible to everybody, particularly those in rural Australia who ha don't have access to lots of medical treatment. No. And no. this would be so easy to use and to, you know, self-prescribe to manage your own dosage as to what was you, you know, it's just such a possibility. Possibilities are massive. Um, just a quick one relating to the ACT. Two men were arrested in the ACT uh, and they're going to have to appear in a Brisbane court yep. over a $61 million yacht cocaine seizure in Townsville. Yeah. Uh, the AFP say they will uh, allege that the men, aged 55 and uh, 44, travelled to Townsville from Canberra in May to recover the cocaine, which was stashed in the hull of a yacht that sailed to Australia from Vanuatu. So um, it looks like uh, cocaine is on the up, like he said well, before. Well, yeah, the, the seizures are certainly on the up, but um, we haven't seen as much on the streets. Maybe that's because of the seizures or maybe because it's always been a, a middle-class drug. You it's, know, it's been very you know, expensive. Yeah, expensive professional classes. Yeah. Um, and so people who had plenty of money and who never saw it as a... Um, 
a junkie drug, if you like, didn't have the stigma no. associated with was was sort a, of for those people who wanted creativity and stimulation and, you know, were in uh, marketing areas or, you know, in the higher echelon of financial remuneration groups Yeah, because um, they had to be there to afford it. And to work long hours to keep up with their, their colleagues. Indeed. Look, it doesn't say that the yacht was owned by these two men. They assumed it wasn't. From what my just reading and pick, from picking my, up the package, from my hearing of the report on the ABC, um, so they assumed that they didn't own the yacht, but they were merely going up to transport, um, and that it came from Vanuatu, sailed to Townsville from Vanuatu, um, and they were arrested in Canberra. These two men over the seizure and extradited to Brisbane to face court. So there's cooperation from ACT policing and to Queensland police. Uh, more arrests and court proceedings and possible jailing. I saw uh, one that's called for more funding for drug rehabilitation services. From Western Australia. Western Australia. Yep. As a report finds that uh, crystal meth use is the highest in the nation, which I did, was unaware of. In Western Australia. Western Australia. Well, I would have assumed that, but then I tend to do that simply because we don't hear a lot about, um, if you don't hear a lot about opioids as being the number one problem. Well, this is crystal meth. Often it's because the market's either been taken over or has the hole has been filled by crystal meth, by ice. Well, we know it's been a tsunami in the last... Oh, hugely, yeah. X number of years. And certainly in the younger users. It hasn't had that stigma attached to it that opioids have had. And it's spread across the entire country. Well, the propaganda hasn't been put out by Jeffrey over the 60 years or so of the drug wars because where amphetamines were used, they were used almost legitimately for pilots and truck drivers. Huge use in warfare. People got them prescribed for them so that they could... Um, stay awake for hours and hours, and the army, or the sorry, the air force, made them available to their pilots, so that in the Second World War, our pilots could fly to Malaysia, yep. which was a big trip to go there and back without landing or without um, refueling, if you like. It was a really pro- huge problem. Part of- so amphetamines were a really important part of their consumption ritual, if you like, so they could get there and back. Ah, they're claiming that these findings come from the National Wastewater Drug Monitoring Program, which I have serious doubts about the accuracy. It certainly Spurious results, I think, is what I've termed it in the past, simply because what what you can determine from wastewater is it can't be specific. You cannot tell how many people... Use it, how many individual doses have been used, how much was disposed down the toilet because of a bust. It's a very difficult to equate drug usage with wastewater disposal. It's, well, it's availability, yes, not necessarily accessibility. So it's a real issue on whether the results from wastewater testing, how useful that. And it's not cheap. Data can That's be. That's thing. The money could no, be put well, to opening up some more And isn't tests. that one of the reasons why people set up services because they can get funding for them? Well, um, one of the other things that I find a bit distressing is that the biggest um, database of toxicology reports, of course, is maintained by police forces um, who get seizures tested forensically. Yes. But they're under no obligation, to even if there's... Them. 
even if there should be an alert put out, yep. like can tests have done when something dangerous to has put been, out a report, yeah, I absolutely. think that's reprehensible. It's uh, look, I wonder what the ethics are relating to that, Jeffrey, how, uh, or if there are any ethics attached to that, because I'd find that surely you'd feel some sense of guilt if you knew there was a certain drug being promoted around your city amongst your community if the police consider they have a community and, you say and it's a dangerous drug they know they've tested it but they're not telling anybody yeah i agree marion i think it's really... uh, wouldn't you feel ethically or morally bound to tell your community what was going on well especially as every summer we certainly know half a dozen or so youngsters die at music festivals which is one of the reasons for the can test having been set up in the first place was because of the what was the available in here. the pills yeah. yeah, and what was happening, people dying. I noticed they don't reveal the exact um, testing sites, so that's another uh, sort of hole in the strategy. But yes. um, And not obliged to either. I'm interested. Well, let's face it, it's not necessarily about what they're obliged to do, but who do they send their reports to and who's releasing the information from the report? And on what basis, you know, under what headline are they sending back the report in report results from? Well, according to the article, it's due to confidentiality agreements. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. That's a nice... So, okay, that's the reason. That covers all because, things. Because, yeah, we can't tell anybody because we're not allowed to know where it came from. I just think that's one of the worst aspects, you know, and it's what um, people... You know, especially in Canada where so many people have died from fentanyl, one yes. safe supply and proper yep. testing because they're sick of seeing friends and acquaintances die. die. At the drop of a hat drop in a between, hat. Jeffrey, went, I still go back to your friend at that conference, oh. going away at lunchtime or wherever and having a shot and just not returning for the rest of the sessions. Because and he was, he was speaking dead. about was, medically supervised injecting centres. That that's was what he'd been there for and had he had that except, But didn't feel he could go anywhere and safely use with anybody because either he was that meant he had to acknowledge he was using which as a peer you would have thought was an obvious thing but he had to use alone he felt he had to use alone which meant that nobody was there yeah. with him when he overdosed and naloxone could have he still be naloxone here naloxone could have done it all very for sad him. Thought I'd play uh, one of these classic songs I was reading about uh, Velvet Underground <laughs> this morning. Sorry, a lot of the music's coming from um, things I read this morning. <laughs> it's the Velvet Underground's classic, I'm Waiting for the Man. Okay. Which is <laughs> That's fine. A classic.
All right, of course, that was uh, Velvet Underground and uh, one of the great songs, I'm Waiting for My Man. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, even if you don't like Lou Reed, he actually, to me, was a poet. who He was, yeah. Really observed, especially marginalised cultures, and put it to music. Well, he was part of the marginalised culture himself, so, you know, it, was, it seemed legitimate that he... They were real poems, yeah? They were poems based on life. Yeah. So, you, you know, there was no reason why he would not write about his life because it was, in fact, um, an alien to the rest of the world. Um, but putting his poems to music was a fabulous idea yeah. no, and brought it to a larger proportion, of pe- bigger proportion of people, young, young people in particular. So and he was speaking on their behalf. Yes, and he was never short of trying... New genres or different types of music, no. and you know, he did, didn't just keep doing the same. Or thing. presenting people with confronting material. Yeah, he told people about Straight up. some of his language was remarkable. You know about what happened on the streets, and and even and you had to listen for it. But he was telling you what he was doing on the street. Didn't we yeah. play Street Hustle at time? We when did. Said about yeah, you know, the, the yep female friend of some guy dies at a party, and he yep. says just. Take her by the feet, lay her out in the darkened street, and by yeah. the morning she's just another hit and run. It was, when I first heard that, I just gasped. I yeah, just, and you, but you had to be listening for that to know that's what he was talking about. Yeah, it's remarkable. Okay, it's we've got a, twenty-one mm. minutes after eleven. Uh, listening to news from the drug war front, brought by uh, to you by Karma and the Canberra Alliance Two Double X People Powered Radio. Yes, we're going to do a piece now because to keep you up to date and to keep ourselves up to date with what's happening with ex-president Duterte. Some good news. Yes, thank heavens. Um, so, ICC, the International Criminal Court, junks the uh, Philippines government appeal on the probe into the killings under Duterte. It they continue. So be encouraged, people. Uh, from London, the International Criminal Court on Tuesday, July the 18th, so that's just last week, they junked the appeal of the Marcos government, essentially allowing the continuation of investigations into drug war-related killings in the country and the alleged death squad in Davao City under the leadership of former President Rodrigo Duterte. President Judge Mark Perrin de Brishambal said the chamber decided by a majority which found that the quote pre-trial chamber did not err in law as alleged by the Philippine government. Three out of five judges decided to reject the appeal saying that the challenge by the Philippine government has unclear details. The chamber clarified that the ruling is not a decision on jurisdiction. This will expectedly and theoretically give a small window to the Philippine government to argue further in the future. Presiding judge that I just mentioned, de Brichimbo of France, and Judge Gosha, Lord Kipandizi of Georgia, that's a great one, of Georgia, dissented. Uh, the majority who decided to reject the Philippine appeal are Judges Solomi Bolungai Bossa of Uganda, Luz de Carmen uh, Ibanez Carranza of Peru, and Piotr 
Hofmanski, I love that lot, of Poland. Well, three twos majority. That's, That's right. all we need to know. That's all it was. The Philippine government expected this decision, according to Solicitor Gen- General Menard, and was, quote, not too sanguine about a, f- about a favourable ruling. This appeals chamber ruling is both big and small. Big because if the chamber had granted the government appeal, the prosecutor would have closed the investigation, which would have effectively ended five years of a process that many sectors, specifically victims, had pinned their hopes on. And small because it just validates the process where it stands. That's all. Which is formal the formal investigation that's been going on since September 2021. The preliminary examination started in February 2018. What happens next is that uh, Prosecutor Karim Khan and his team will continue investigating. He's been onto it for a long time, hasn't he, He Karim Khan? Yep, stuck with the task. Yep. Quote, the pretrial chamber correctly assessed uh, whether there exists an advancing process of domestic investigations within the situation which sufficiently mirrors that of the prosecutor. Taking into account the stage of the situation as well as the specific circumstances and parameters of the Philippine situation. Therefore, the majority finds that the pretrial chamber did not err in law said uh, Judge Brishambal, quote, mirroring the prosecution addresses one of the main arguments of Prosecutor Khan for that, for uh, that for the ICC to lose jurisdiction and step aside, the Philippine government must be able to show that it's looking at the same person and same conduct as the ICC itself. Yeah, they thought they had it in the bag. They, yes. They, Although it did say they weren't too sanguine about a favourable ruling, so they weren't really looking at a favourable... They didn't expect a favourable ruling. I think they know this guy, Karim Khan, he's got the bit between his teeth now, so he's going for it. Well, it sets a nice precedent. Yep. That this sort of um, just well, you can't just get away with it just because you've either ceased to be a member of the ICC or ceased to be president. You can still be yeah, uh, investigating. It's the same crime, same person, and same conduct. That's what's important. Exactly. Uh, the next uh, subheading: genuine investigation? Question mark. At this point, there is no absolute certainty that Duterte is the subject of the investigation, but all of the prosecutor's reports have named him, and in some of them, even his former police chief and now senator, Ronald Barto de la Rosa, in what they have described as extrajudicial killings that appear to have been committed pursuant to an official state policy of the Philippine government. Not just appear to, I suspect. Pretty clear cut. Yeah. The day before the International Criminal Court decision, Duterte met with the Chinese President Xi Jinping, according to Chinese state media. Maybe he thought the Chinese could bail him out. I think they're teaching each other how to say no, nothing to see. Nothing to see here. Yeah. President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. said he was aware about the former president and was making the trip to Beijing, uh, which the Chinese Foreign Ministry appreciated as, quote, a strategic choice to improve relations. Guevara, who is uh, Duterte's Justice Secretary, filed an appeal with the appeals chamber citing, quote, the functioning and independent criminal system of the country, um, or citing the independent uh, criminal justice system of the Philippines under the Rome Statute, uh, 
the International Criminal Court prosecutor wouldn't be able to pursue an investigation if the Philippine government is found to be willing and able to investigate the killings on its own. Which is pretty clear that so they haven't decided been. we can't trust these people to investigate. Well, they've said that they're not going to pursue it. The Philippine government said they won't pursue it, so and that's why the ICC shouldn't pursue it. Yeah. Little knowing that the ICC's decision relies... You know, if they had said, well, we'll pursue it on our own, they would have said, okay, well, okay. we don't need to do it. Yeah, we'll let you go ahead and trust your system. Silly people. They should have read the the, oh, the it, fine, fine print, it, it yeah? He was never too bright, Duterte. And Not very really, no. crude no. speaker. And Still has to be blank, blanked out half of his interviews. Exactly. Uh, the office of ICC uh, prosecutor from the time of retired Fatu Bensuda to the current process that it had found a lack of genuine investigation by the Philippine government uh, twice, which is why the process has reached the appeal stage. The investigation is looking into the killings and the war on drugs from 2016 to 2019, which uh, took e effect uh, from March 2019, as well as the killings carried out by the alleged uh, DeVeo when Duterte was uh, mayor of the southern city, Duteo, from uh, Davao from 2011 to 2016. So he's been at this a long while. Yeah. The scope starts with 2011 because this is when the Philippines became a member of the uh, ICC. ICC. Yeah. yeah. And there's been various estimates of the number of people killed, um, 27,000. Well, they said after six months it was 7,000 and now they're saying 27,000. Very few estimated, of I the estimated 27,000 killings. In the, so they prosecuted very few of the 27,000. In the first six months, they'd said 7,000 people had been killed and that stayed at that number, according to the Philippines government, That's until right. current day. Yeah. But in this article, it he says no 27,000, yeah. Okay, what happens now? It would be up to Guevara and other strategists from the Marcos government, including diplomats, how best to respond to the ICC's political and legal moves. Quote, this conclusion would not preclude the Philippine government from providing material in the future to show that it is conducting credible investigations and prosecutions that could warrant a deferral of the, the investigation to domestic authorities. So there's still an outside chance. They, that's according to senior counsel um, from Human Rights Watch. Yeah. The ICC investigation is a thorn in the fragile alliance of the Duterte's and the Marcos's. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> While Marcos officially backs Duterte's withdrawal of the Philippines from the Rome Statute um, uh, process, in the middle of all that, Marcos, in the interviews he has granted, um, abuses by certain elements in Duterte's drug war. He's, he doesn't. He's not happy. There's a there's a sideline, by the way, which I think is a subtext, which is probably related to somebody with a sense of humour saying, "Hi, are you General Z Filipino? Help us with a survey." <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's a bit of uh, tongue in cheek, bit of irony. Well, it just concludes under the Rome Statutes Article eighty two, the Philippine government may be able to file. Uh, appeal scenarios. The pretrial chamber denies the request to release a person being investigated um, pending the decision to grant release. So the ICC is on the case and yes. Duterte must be feeling a bit nervous. Yeah. So after all this time, Marion, it's 
It's still going and they've still done nothing much about it, but they're still fighting to get it done. Well, one of the great things was all these photojournalists that tried to record, uh, you know, in photo um, form yep. uh, as many of the dead bodies in the street as they could. Which, you know. and, yeah, and they have done that in particular. In one case, you were saying when we were off air that there was, um, one, uh, there was on. one camera down a laneway, yeah. which would have been a bit of a shock to the system, and they film, actually filmed the shooting of this young man by the police yep. um, and then tossing a gun down next to him and probably a bag of ice, I suspect, too. Standard but that this guy, this young boy, this teenager, was actually an exemplary student. So he was one of those people they didn't want to shoot yeah. and shouldn't have shot because he was an example of the kind of person that he was saying they weren't targeting. And they couldn't easily pin. But they weren't selecting people to target, judging by that bit of footage you would think they gave them open slather absolutely and a and and a pro pro capita bounty yeah which was even worse and in that process even when an arrest was warrant was issued the arrest would depend on the cooperation of the countries the philippines not being a member of the rome statute anymore doesn't have a legal obligation to arrest the subject of the warrant but when that person travels to another state party he may be arrested and turned over to the Hague. Ah, oh, so he's not travelling anywhere. State parties have not always been cooperative, however, in these scenarios going by past ICC cases. The arrest warrant against Putin poses the latest test of strength of the ICC mechanism as the Russian leader travels to South Africa, a state party. Well, he decided August, not to travel. Did you know that? No, but He's that doesn't surprise me. But, yeah. but um, Duterte going to China makes sense because they're not members of the ICC either. No, no, they're not. And the interesting thing about that is about this whole thing is if you look at Duterte, if you look at Do- uh, Donald Trump, if you look at a range of those populist presidents, that they're, uh, Morrison, their media response to questions asked they don't want to answer is yeah. nothing to see here yeah. no total denying flat yeah. out denial yeah didn't see it didn't hear it yeah. don't know about it had nothing to do with me not my job standard operating and, procedure and when you hear that it sounds to me like cover-up i'm sorry i've got so used to yeah. it that i am a cynic not gonna argue it's all cover-up, not me, not my role, not my job, I wasn't involved, I never saw the paper. Yeah. And we've had so much of that in the last 10 years, it, minus one. You get cynical. It, yeah. You do get cynical and we still have heard nothing from Morrison except a total denial of um, participation in this robotic crisis. Well, the only person punished is the, I think... Campbell. Uh, the secretary of the department suspended. of health at the time. Oh, sorry, of no pay. social services the, at, at the, the time. time. Who was Department of Defence at the time? Yeah. She resigned. Yeah, well, but she she was suspended. Yeah, she's yeah. and then she's resigned. Oh, has she? She's oh, resigned I didn't now. Know that. Yeah, and it's all because somebody has to take the fall. Yeah, yeah, and it's not going to be um, the prime minister. Certainly not, or right. the ex prime minister. Yeah, ex prime minister. You've picked another song by the Who. It's just yep. behind blue eyes, which actually a lot of people thought was written by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, which are pretty ordinary. It's band. amazing how many how many tracks have been re released 
by current artists that were just excellent and, you know, have stood the test of time and this is one of them. Okay, Behind Blue Eyes. What it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be hated, to be faded, to telling only lies. But my
All right, that was The Who and uh, Behind Blue Eyes. Uh, beautiful I, song. Yeah. It was beautiful. It is beautiful. It's and beautiful. I remember hearing it by Limp Biscuit and thinking, I know that song, and little realising that it was actually by one of my favourite bands, The Who, originally. A rip-off, yeah. All right, we're into uh, the last 20 minutes of this week's news from the Drug War Front on Community Radio 2XXFM. 98.3 FM, and uh, just like to thank 2XX for their support. And if you can become a financial supporter, please do. Please um, do. It's a, a value packed, a um, lot of great shows. Radio show, yeah. radio uh, program, and just the shows that are produced locally and even nationally are really interesting and really useful. And they mean stuff to you as a human being and where you are in your life, like our show. And they give a voice to issues that don't get to hear. That's right. Yeah. I mean, we, we are the other side, if you like, of the debate on the so-called drug war, and you would not hear this on any other um, media. Certainly not on not on media. the not no. on the mainstream media anyway. All right, this is from filtermag.org, and I thought this was quite interesting. Um, it's really important, actually. People that talk about you know the climate change crisis, which is undeniable, We've and seen, we do too. Seeing yeah. the fires of. Um, Greek Islands roads. Oh, it's horrendous. British isn't it? And Corfu. Corfu. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's 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 happening now. Yes. If you care about the climate crisis, well, you need to fight to legalise drugs. Uh, on June the twenty sixth, the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime released its annual report on the illicit drug trade. The headline is that despite millions of people killed, incarcerated and impoverished and trillions of dollars spent on the global drug war, people are using more illicit drugs than ever. The drug prohibition is an expensive, inhumane failure. shouldn't be news to anyone. Certainly not news to Isn't us. to us, yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, this report did offer something new. For the first time, the UN Office on Drugs and Crime Accompanied, I mean, how are you ever going to get support from an organisation called the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime? Yeah. I mean, it tells you where their head's at. Uh, accompanied its research with a booklet focusing on the effects of, quote, environmental crime, meaning damage inflicted on ecosystems by organised drug trafficking groups, uh, for example, in the Amazon rainforest. This builds on what is apparently a growing concern at the UNODC. Last year, the agency released its first specific report on environmental crime, and we are seeing increasingly high-profile figures speaking out about it. However, experts are warning that this latest UN Office on Drugs and Crime report, along with much of the discourse around the, these issues, fundamentally misses the point in a very dangerous way. Quote, for many people, when they think of drugs in the environment, the pictures of rainforests being cleared to grow coca plants and illicit labs dumping chemicals into rivers. But it's actually mu much more complicated, Kendra McSweeney told Filter Magazine. Oh, a ge ge geography professor at Ohio, Ohio State University, McSweeney is part of the International Coalition for Drug Policy Reform and Environmental Crime a global network of academics, experts and activists seeking, seeking to highlight the links between prohibition, the illicit drug trade and the climate crisis. In fact, illicit cocaine production takes up the tiny amount of uh, agri and agriculture or the uh, 
compared to, say, the minor agriculture, you know, the yeah, minor... Oh, sorry, I wrote, that's my writing. No, yeah. I wrote that really sloppily. The minor agriculture and illegal mining um, since something, I don't know what that word is. Yeah, look, some of these articles, it's... Difficult anyway, to yeah. photocopy in full. Yeah. You can't get them without the pictures. It's really difficult to put them together and then you miss the first sentence. Or a bit of an ad. Or, anyway, yeah. look, the problem of what we call narco deforestation actually has more to do with how the money from drugs is laundered and reinvested into other forms of crime. Quote, the extent to which manufacturing drugs is harmful to the environment is almost entirely due to the fact that they are illegal. What a surprise. This isn't about poor farmers clearing small plots of land to grow coca, in other words, but narco-capitalists laundering billions of dollars by building huge cattle ranches, particularly in drug transit countries like Honduras, El Salvador and Guatemala. Quote, these giant ranches are often situated near border zones and serve a dual function, McSweeney said. The quote goes on, they are used to traffic product but are also a perfect way to launder the vast amounts of money generated by trafficking. End quote. It should be obvious to the extent that the extent to which manufacturing drugs is harmful to the environment is almost entirely due to the fact that they are illegal. Farmers move into the rainforest in order to avoid law enforcement. At the law enforcement labs dump chemicals because the absence of regular of the absence of regulation, and there are no facility to legally and safely dispose of them. This is entirely a function of the drug war. Legal pharmaceuticals are produced relatively cleanly across the world and there is no scientific reason that couldn't be true of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine and the rest. And when we speak about environmental crime in general, uh, Warren McSweeney and her colleagues, the complex links to global, global drug policy are routinely ignored. The Amazon, she said, something, 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 the Amazon. But what people often don't understand is that the drug trade, which provides the capital for, it is the drug trade that provides the capital for these activities. Are you doing a huge profits or am I still going on? Oh, okay. Um, You've got one more paragraph. Okay. The This warning. Yeah. Yeah of damaging illegal diversification is echoed by Diane, uh, Daniela Diaz of SOS Amazonia, an environmental NGO based in Brazil. Speaking from deep in the Amazon itself, Diaz painted a picture of groups like PCC uh, and the Red Command, quote, moving from cities into the Amazon in order to control the drug trade, end quote. But once they're here, she told Filter, they reinvest in illegal mining and timber and smuggling wildlife. And certainly during the time of uh, Bolsonaro, another right-wing populist president who luckily narrowly lost to um, Lula, Yes. Who's now trying to bring back, you know, protection of indigenous tribes and the Amazon. And well, I find I find it really hard to understand how, uh, particularly, the Scandinavian countries who invested such a huge amount of money in South 
America, in particular in the Amazon area, to protect the Amazon, its indigenous uh, nations, and the management of the whole of the Amazon Valley, but, uh, to protect it, have it protected by the indigenous tribes. Huge amounts of money were invested, and they put, because it was considered the lungs of the world. And I might be old-fashioned in still using that term, but I think it's still really important to note that every time Bolsonaro wiped out a, um, a a stand of trees because they were so tall, so old, and had so much lumber in them, yeah. that he was wiping out half, you know, a quarter of the Amazon. He was doing global with damage. With one smoke, stroke of the pen yep. and several strokes of bloody axe or, you know, chainsaws. It was horrendous to see the gaps he'd left. And the Indians were getting were screaming, tearing their hair out, saying, what can we do about this? Well, and at that time, was it was land. nothing. was ceded to them. That's right. Yeah. They were given carriage of it and management of it. Anyway, sad story goes on to say the huge profits from the drug trade, in other words, which would not exist unchecked and at this scale without the drug war, are financing the surge in illegal industries which are destroying vast swathes of the Amazon. Mm. It's a connection that the UN Office on Drugs and Crime, a major supporter of global prohibition, conspicuously fails to draw. So what can be done from a drug policy perspective to preserve the rainforests and other ecosystems which are so essential to mitigating the climate crisis? Diaz is emphatic that the answer is not just more of the same. Quote, the last thing we need is more militarisation of the region. Seen in the army, <laughs> it's not going to help. Um, it's corruption, entanglement of law enforcement and politicians with the drug trade that they ostensibly seek to eradicate, and it's perhaps the greatest unspoken truth here. At COP26 in 2021, world leaders made a so-called landmark pledge to end deforestation. Yeah. Neil Woods, Chair of Law Enforcement Action Partnership UK, told Filter, but what, none, uh, but what none seem willing to discuss is how could this ever be enforced when in many of the key regions, from the Amazon to West Africa, governments very literally don't wield exec executive control because these areas are controlled by drug traffickers who can intimidate or buy off soldiers and politicians at will. And this is the danger of global um, prohibition is well, they become more powerful. The money that is allowed to be made through illicit, the illicit drugs trade that can be made by the illicit drugs trade is monumental. And, and everyone has their we price. We say this every week. Yes. It is so... It, it just generates so much money and makes so many people rich that they can't undercut or they can't get rid of it. It's institutionalised. Indeed. To many, the idea that legalising drugs has an urgent role to play in fighting the, the climate crisis may take time to comprehend. But it's time we don't have. Um, when even the UNODC's own report admits that decades of militarised prohibition has failed, it is it is disingenuous as it is dangerous to ignore the resulting destruction of the world's most crucial biodiverse habitats. Indeed. Meanwhile, within the environmental movement, experts say there's been a failure to fully comprehend this threats, sometimes with a reluctance to even talk about it. I'm just, I can only applaud that statement. Quote, it's difficult to get environmental activists to think about how drug policy critically undermines their work, Diaz said. 
Some activists are literally scared of the cartels and corrupt police, but others don't want to be associated with the, quote, druggies, end quote, and think this could dilute their message. Um, As irreversible climate catastrophe catastrophe becomes ever more present danger, this head-in-the-sand squeamishness in the environmental movement has become untenable. The connection between saying the rainfor- uh, saving the rainforest and ending the drug wars, damaging incentives, corruption and cruelty must urgently be made explicit. Our need to confront both the destruction of our planet and one of its biggest drivers of human rights abuses demands two movements form a pow- that two movements form a powerful alliance. Here, here. Cannot say. More than that, in one quick statement that's really important, that alliance needs to be maintained and supported. One because, well, one should form with the other because the environmental movement has the, uh, if you like, the emotional and ethical, the moral high ground. They may not understand the impact of prohibition. They have no reason to fear. or no knowledge, if you like, of the fear of the cartels so far. The uh, people who are anti-drug prohibition do run in fear of the cartels and of the illicit drug trade simply because they're promoting legal availability and in, uh, if you like, decriminalising a trade out of which they would not make quite so much money if it was decriminalised. And what are the odds of an end to prohibition in time for that aspect of the climate change crisis to Jeffrey, be brought I was, to an end? I was listening to a guy last night on, of course, the BBC World Service who has done all this swimming in cold climates and plans to swim up the Hudson River and arrive in New York in time for the United Nations Conference on the Environment. And he said that he had gone up to the North Pole and had swum underneath the North Pole ice. The water temperature when he first did it was... 0.15 0.15 degrees and has now gone up 10 degrees. Wow. In the la- in what massive. five years or something. So a re- and really frightening amount of so that's that's climate warming. Yep. That's global warming that's doing that. They also said the uh and uh the southern hemisphere, yeah, the Antarctic has reduced the sea ice has reduced by uh one third. Maybe wow. is it one third or two thirds? I'm not sure of the data, but the 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 graphic that they put up put the reduction of sea yeah. ice monumental, and that is really important. It spells in it particular out. in the fact that the krill that are which are tiny weeny yeah, little fish that the part. whales live on, yep. the, you know, big part of the of the cycle, um, yep. are being demolished. Their habitat is being demolished. That's where they breed. Look, every day, if you watch the news, there's new records of um, temperature, mudslides, droughts, floods, right? Well, and the fires in Greece at the the moment and the floods in India at the moment and people are dying. And the temperatures in some of the Uh, – When it's pouring down rain in India and the temperatures and and the high winds, which is – 
and the fires that set off in the islands in, around Greece are incredible. I went and stayed on Corfu for a couple of weeks, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Back when it was safe. <laughs> Back when it was safe to do so. And I can just, I can visualise because it was so forested. There was so much, uh, you know, the the yeah, camping ground we were in was in the middle of a of a it was tree. the bush. Yeah. yeah. I can just imagine that the whole of that place has been burnt down to the breaches. Down to the beaches. It's just yeah. it's black. Scary. I was watching the footage this morning. It's black and people are horrified and frightened. Yeah. And that is a result largely of climate warming. There's just how can India, which is kind of a quarter of a world away, have such a massively different climate from that in Greece? And yeah. the changes have just accelerated so fast, even beyond the most pessimistic forecast the, 10 years ago or 20 in, years ago. In the same season, they are so diverse. Uh-huh. Yes, it's not even the rainy season yet. Well, let's hope the gist of this article um, makes head, headway. And for those people who are listening, look, that's from Filter, Filter Magazine. Yeah. It's on, um, online. From J.S. Raffelli on July the 7th, 2023. So if you care about the climate crisis, fight to legalise drugs. It's a really useful article and it, I just exhort people to read it. Indeed. Um, All right, that brings us to the end of another program. Oh, it do too. Thank we you for have listening, finished. everyone. Yeah, and thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Marion. Oh, and thank, thank you, listeners. Thank you, oh, listeners. Oh, 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 I didn't say hello. What do you mean to say hello to? Okay, shout out to Julie, Sandra, Mary, whose birthday it was on Sunday, uh, Jack and Pete and Mel and Brett. So I had a shout out to all you guys. So you had to listen to the whole lot before you got that. And shout out to all our listeners. We'll be yeah, back next week and we'll leave you with our theme song, The Strangles. Go around. Look Gold after Brown. yourself. We love you. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown Every time Just like the last On her ship Tied to the mast Two distant lands Takes both my hands Never a frown with golden brown Golden brown, fine attemptress through the ages she's heading west From far away, stays for a day